Stand by. Free speech activation in progress. It's sending a transmission of some kind. This is TalkZone.com. You are entering an intriguing journey with spiritual lifestyle experts Keith and Charmé Amber, where you'll end up more at home with yourself, your behavior, and your understanding of life. Mastering Ourselves offers sound answers to life's tough questions so that life can make more sense to you and healthy directions become clearer. Keith and Charmé bring you over 80 years of seasoned experience. They pursue truth and insights that are neither left nor right, but spiritually sound and centered and can be used as a spiritual compass to help you on your path. Welcome to Mastering Ourselves. Well... <laughs> we Guess were, what? We were, we were uh, the other day reading this article that we didn't quite finish, and it's talking about ego. It's and- getting even better. <laughs> <laughs> it's like tromping through the bushes. You know, ego is such a timeless uh, topic because everybody's got one. Nobody will ever be without one while living on this planet. And people have so many different views. And, you know, you might wonder... What makes us think that we have the view that maybe has a little bit more truth than the average bear? And what I can tell you is this. Mm-hmm. It isn't our own perception that we uh, share with you. And never would we presume to do such and to claim that we have uh, a pretty good flavor of the truth. More more than that, we've been exposed to all this uh, high-grade trans-channeling that has uh, an enormous amount of wisdom, and they were preparing us to do this radio show. Uh, I know some of you that have been listening to us for a while have probably heard that. Some of you that are new, it's new information. That's why we keep putting it out periodically, so that you don't just think that we're all full of ourselves and think we have all the answers. And in fact, far from that, not only do we keep putting out to the best of our knowledge what we feel is accurate according to the guides, but we keep looking every single day to see if we're off somewhere. Right. You know, there's three things I, I come down to as to qualify us. One is all the incredible high-grade channeling. And most channeling I have a lot of disregard for because I, I can see flaws in it. I can feel darkness in it and that kind of thing. But there are some channels and, you know, it's like everything up towards the higher echelon of really pure, pure just right channeling where you get really clear, true, advanced guidance. Another thing is I've been a healer for 37 years and and I get to know all kinds of deep, deep insights of why people are stuck in certain ways and help them get unstuck and then observe that they're getting unstuck by those techniques. And the third thing is Charmé and I have both sought God truth and our purpose like the meaning of life what on earth are we supposed to do here and it's a pretty good mess we have sought that you know since we were kids and it's an everyday thing it's not something you you seek but you know you got other higher priorities and higher agendas this has been pretty much the core of us uh increasing as we've gone from nine and ten years old every day This particular interview that we're reading came out of the September through December 2006 What is Enlightenment magazine where they're doing an an interview with, um, boy, Archie Mondrite uh, Dionysus. 
And sure he, you got that one right. No, I'm not. <laughs> Jeez, I'm so bad with these things. And um, he looks to me like he's Greek Orthodox. And interestingly enough, he has quite a uh, glow and uh, sparkle about him. Which, you know, the opening thing is, what is ego? So that, of course, draws me right in because, you know, Keith and I are always uh, wanting to um, bring to you information about ego because it's well, such a big cornerstone to all people, peoples on earth's spiritual path. You know, anybody who's on earth should be working on their ego. And if they aren't, they're just probably digging a bigger hole for themselves. Well, earth is actually a school to deal with our egos. That's the primary reason we're here at this earth school is to deal with our egos. So as I read through this article, it's so funny. As I read through the article, I find this man, based on the teachings we've been given, to be half really on. I mean, right aligned with what we've been taught and half really off. So, so before, before the show started, I read Keith a couple of the quotes from this man. <laughs> he, he gets, he, he screws his face up in this certain way going, excuse me, what did you say? That's not right. I, I'm going along as if Charmaine's <laughs> going to say something profound and then it's a dud. I mean, a, re, a what you call a retrograde. It's going and, the other way. <laughs> and all I can do is laugh and say that's the perfect face for what I just said. So, you know, I mean, we, we see humor in it because, you know, it's just part, part and parcel of this path. We also want to share with you the parts in here that seem to be right on because they'll help you also get better hold of your ego. I remember when I first started working on my ego and I was told by a number of guides that were around me at the time channeling through a person, <laughs> I remember that uh, they kept telling me, how uh, arrogant I was and how I needed to find humbleness. And I tell you, I did not have a clue what humbleness meant, not a clue. So, you know, maybe we can help some of you out there who are uh, fighting with this within yourself. Here's one. Go ahead. Well, the ego, you know, why why do you want to deal with your ego? Uh, the ego has tied up your personality, your attachments, what you're attached to, and your desires. And actually, if you don't, uh, if you're not able to surrender your desires to the higher desire or to God's will, then what happens in the the soup that we're in on Earth in the Earth School is your desires uh, keep coming around. You get one side like, oh, my team won the game, but your team doesn't win the game every time. So the next time your team loses, you're in a downer. Then your team wins, and you're in an upper. Then your team loses, and you're a downer. And the earth is trying to say, you know, it's futile to be attached to this thing. You've got to be neutral. You can enjoy the game, but if you're attached to an outcome, then uh, you're going to be caught in maya or karma, and, and the, you're just going to be knocked around because that's what the earth school does until you're purified of attachments because basically we're whole and divine and okay no matter how things turn out. Instead of, uh, you know, I didn't get my Mercedes or I, my team didn't win and it really bummed my day out, we've we got to get way beyond that. And that's all ego attachments. So we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to get truly fulfilled in our lives. And this is why we're poking holes in this, because 
we want you to, to maybe see past your ego and see that the ego's desires, the let's say uh, making a great, huge uh, success in your business where you're just rich as can be or you're very, very famous and popular, we might go that those aren't the end motives for a whole person. And if you have them as your end motives, you're going to be, uh, you might get on the top of the staircase, but you're going to fall down to the bottom of the staircase too. And you might get up again, but you're going to fall down again because this is not the whole picture. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. We watched a movie last night called Cinderella Man with uh, Richard, is it Richard Crow? No, I don't think it is. Russell. Russell, Russell Crow. There, there it is. Anyway, uh, it's very interesting. It, the um, the movie is actually about uh, James Braddock, who was a boxer. 1920, in, 1930. Yeah, right around there. And, you know, the, the only thing I really want to say about this at this moment, and you can do the rest of that later, but yes, but um, he he made it fairly big and um, invested some of his money, but he didn't value the money as much as perhaps he could have. And then uh, they went into the deep depression, and I mean, he was at risk of losing his kids. I mean, this man had a heart of gold, and he promised his son he would never uh, let him go or make him move away because they couldn't afford him. Just to survive. And, you know, they ended up having to do that, and he groveled, humbly groveled, to get enough money to be able to keep their kids. Anyway, this is what uh, this means. This story talks about how you get your priority list straight. So he's about to go to fight for the title. Uh, this is a number of years later. He gets he gets an unexpected another another shot at it, and the day before the big fight, they do a, you know a newspaper uh, interview, and he they say what makes you think that this is going to be any different from before, and he said because I'm doing it for the right reasons. He said two things, and and they said well what is the right reason? He said what are you doing this for? So I can buy milk. So I can take care of my kids. So he has incentive. So you see, it was no long, it wasn't so I can have the title. It wasn't that. It wasn't so I can have the title so I'm big and fancy. It wasn't that. It was that he could take care of his kids properly. See, now that's, that's what looks more like a humble answer than, well, so that I get all the glory. See, it isn't about having the glory. It's about who can you serve once you have that position. You know, this man, one of his children stole something. I mean, they were just starving almost. And he made them take it back and and not do it. So he was that quality man. I mean, the kid got away with it. And he goes, no, we're not going to do that. This man's a real American. If you want to study a real American with real American principles, uh, he uh, got welfare because he had nothing. And that was very humbling. And then after he got some money, he paid it all back. And he was in the welfare lines, and within a year, he was the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, and, you know, like what Charmé says, he had the motivation. 
So again, that's like a humble answer. You know, I'm buying milk. I'm doing this to take care of my kids instead of I get to be the big fancy guy at the top of the heap. Great man. A great man. So in this article uh, about what is ego, that uh, the interviewed person is Archimandrite Dionysius. Uh, One of his comments is this. He says, this enemy that we have inside us is not ourself. It is not our personality. It is only a temptation. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the problem with a lot of, uh, the problem with, with some of the folks in the world today is they have some of these things backwards, like inside out. When we, you know, the enemy, he says here, this enemy that we have inside us is not ourself. You see, the enemy we have inside us is ourself. And it is our personality, and the only reason that the dark can come through those areas and exacerbate them is because they're there in the first place. Yeah, so temptation is simply uh, trying to see if you have a problem there, and, and if, you, if you're tempted and it brings you down, yes, you do have a problem there, and so life is designed to tempt you until you're not temptable. So these parts inside of ourselves are our personality. It's always amazing to me. People want it to be that they're like these perfect little things, but then they have this personality problem, but it isn't really them. But it is really them. It is really you and me. Well, I tell you, my ego clearly is part of me, and and when I would wrestle it down, educate it, and transform it, it it was uh, completely changed. It was part of my power instead of part of my downfall. But I had to own it and face it and deal with it to to get that benefit. I wish it was easier to do because more people would do it. But uh, it isn't easy to do, and people rifle at the idea of doing it, and they come up with all kinds of justifications and explanations on why not to do it, and then don't get better. So honestly, you won't find it much different that anything, any great accomplishment takes a great effort. A small accomplishment takes a small effort. So transforming the ego is a big, it's ingrained in us, and that takes a big effort. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmy Amber. Thank you very much for joining us today. We are your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up one show at a time. And welcome back. Thank you very much for being with us. We're talking about the ego. I really like I really like this paragraph he says on um, what humbleness looks like. So I'm just going to read this. Repentance, recognizing our mistakes and our sins, this is the highest thing that we can do. And not to recognize our sins in order to succeed at something else, but just to see the truth about ourselves. St. Isaac, the great mystic of the church, says that one who accepts, who understands, and who recognizes his sin in front of the Lord in reality, he is the highest. You know who this uh, brings to, he is, okay, he is greater than one who has gained all the world, who feeds all the people, who makes miracles, who resurrects the dead. You know who this brings to mind is a recent um, piece of information we got about Warren Buffett. And, you know, there's a man with billions at his disposal, and he... Um, appears to be humble, like he puts on a front of humbleness. For instance, 
He still lives in the same house he did before he became all this billionaire, I guess. And, uh, you know, he's not flashy. He still goes to work. But I was alarmed the other day when I was listening, and apparently he does this talk at colleges to uh, graduating classes where he... Um, they say, well, why do you keep working? You certainly don't need to. And he he gives this dual answer. He says, number one, I keep working because I like to uh, paint my own canvas. So, in other words, he likes to be out there being creative every day and using himself creatively. Good, healthy, creative force. <clears throat> then he goes on to say, and the second reason is I like applause. <laughs> <laughs> So what that is, is, come on, baby, stroke my ego. Make me feel good about it. Tell me how amazing I am at making billions, how incredible so, I am. So he's sucking off everyone around him to be the the top dog. So And, and we call this greatness. <clears throat> oh, boy. So listen again to what St. Isaac says. Uh, he says, one who accepts, who understands, who recognizes his sin in front of the Lord in reality he is the highest. He is greater than one who has gained all the world, who feeds all the people, who makes miracles, who resurrects the dead, but does not own that his own ego and his own uh, false parts. Well, you know, <clears throat> confessing your sin, you know, it's a high thing, and it actually clears you to pay your karma and compensate your damage. But it doesn't put you on the highest, but it, pu it puts you, I mean, higher than other peoples who are right with life. But it, um, it sets you up to get yourself clean and clear. Yeah. Somebody who's clean and clear and stays clean and clear, I would consider perhaps on a higher path. Yes. However, if you recognize and apologize and compensate, and you are remorseful for your sin, truly, sincerely, from the decency of you, remorseful for your sin, then you're starting to clean your path to, you know, then clear out the rest of it. But if you just confess it or accept it or recognize it or say it, that's that's simply not enough. It's a beginning. It's a, it's a good beginning, but it's not enough. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, if you are uh, working with yourself on an area, like a lesson that you've been having, and um, you keep noticing that the lesson keeps getting brought into your face, and you keep making the comment, geez, I thought I worked through that. Why is that back up in my face yet again? I thought I'd worked through that. I would like to give you a little clue about this. Whatever lesson that you had to learn, which it was the result of behavior you did in the past that was inappropriate, that's drawing this nasty experience to you, until you get to the place that sounds like this, oh my God, I cannot believe that I did that to those people or to those animals or to those whatever. That, that's part of the ingredients. That is, oh my God, I am so embarrassed that I would, would behave in such a way. I am deeply embarrassed. I am so sorry. I will never, ever, ever, ever allow myself to do that behavior again, no matter what. Now, when you've reached that place, now you can start considering yourself that you've gotten down to the bottom 
where the the uh, pattern is transformed and you can start climbing out of that hole and not having that lesson back in your face. As long as you have the um, sort of curt response of, boy, I thought I got through that. What a pain. This is back again. You haven't gotten there. And, and you, that's why it keeps coming back. You can't forgive yourself instantaneously. You must have the heart that is truly sorry for what you did. And then it's not productive to stay in the groveling mode. It's, it, okay, we've owned it. We felt remorse. Now how do we compensate and make the most out of our lives? And then move on. That's, That's it. That's right. Yeah, we had a gal one time that said, after she had done something, realized karma, she says, well, I forgave myself. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, honey. Bingo. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Thank you very much for staying with us. We're talking today about that dastardly ego. Everybody's got one. Here's a saying. I'm facing and dealing with my ego. Ergo, I'm busted. Time to fess up and grow up. (laughs) That, folks, is one of his daily insights. And you can sign up to have those daily insights come Right into your inbox every day to help nudge you along your spiritual path. We don't send a lot of extra junk with it. We just send the uh, yeah. me- message, the daily message that helps you sort of get clearer in your perspective of life, helps you maybe perhaps deal with life better and have a better fulfilling life. Yep. They're free for the first two months. So you can check them out, see if you like them, and then they're $29 a year to have them continue coming. Going back to this art, oh, you can go to masteringourselves.com and check them out. So here's another um, misinterpretation that's fairly typical in certain religions, of which our uh, interviewer, interviewee, interviewee here, yes. Archimandrite Dionysius uh, says about Jesus that is uh, just not true. He says, um, Christ um, has always been shining full of light. You know, first of all, when people refer to Christ, they're actually referring to Jesus. And Jesus was not Christ. He was Christed. And here's the difference. Christ, uh, Jesus was a soul who was on earth, having an earth incarnation. And... Um, he, as a soul, up in his soul, his soul's name is Sananda. Each and every one of you in our audience, everybody in the world, they have a soul and their soul has a name. So Jesus was down here on earth, that was his earth name, and up in the heavens where he lives, his name is Sananda. That was that one lifetime, you probably had more than one lifetime on earth, I would guess. That one lifetime was named Jesus. If he had another lifetime, it would be named something else. Yes. And uh, Sananda, his higher self, is what you call an enlightened being. Being an enlightened being would mean he has Christed energy imbued through him because he's enlightened. So, the first thing is when they mix up Jesus and Christ, they're actually confusing those two things. So then the second thing is that they say that he's always been shining full of light, and it isn't true. You know, they say that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, yes, but so are you. Everybody is the Son of God. And uh, we are all born out of God, every one of us, and we are all in route back to God, every one of us. So you're saying something like, 
the the person Jesus with the soul's name is Sananda actually has had ego to deal with someplace along the line. Nobody escapes it. Not on these planes. Nobody. It just is what is. Now, you know, I think Keith makes a point of not on these planes, and he makes a good point because, you know, if you're a soul that was born out of God onto a higher dimension, like maybe the sixth or seventh dimensions, then you maybe don't have an ego. Maybe that's not wrapped into part of the lessons that you're going to need to deal with and root back to God. If we're dimension one, Charmaine's talking, they would be. We six are not or seven. dimension one. We're dimension. We're in the third dimension. Okay. So still, you have to be. You know, ego becomes present when you go down into the lower dimensions, and third dimension is a lower dimension. You know, the thing of it is, uh, Jesus always said, and back, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Keith, he's the one that's read the Bible, and I have not, but Jesus said, you can do everything I have done and more, and the second coming of Christ is you all, as in you and me and everybody on earth. I don't think that's made clear in the Bible, unless, you know... (laughs) I would say if the interpretations were right, I'd say that's what the Bible says. So he said the first one. For sure he says the first one, and I think he means the second one, which is the second coming of Christ, which is the second coming of Christ consciousness. He he represented the first coming of Christ consciousness. The second coming of Christ consciousness comes with the masses learning how to follow in the orderly, highly evolved Christ consciousness consciousness. So what what the truth is, is that Jesus was a soul that came out of God, no doubt anchored in the light. However, with his own segment of self that is uh, that was dark, that his job as a soul on behalf of God, like all the rest of us, his job is to transform that fragment of dark into light. I don't know how much he came out of out of God with because everybody's different. But I do know for sure that he had some dark that he had to overcome on behalf of God. You know, perhaps he became so extraordinary because he had overcome so much darkness. Or perhaps he was so extraordinary because he had such little darkness to overcome. Either way, he did the job. Yeah, either way. And either one of those possibilities could be true. And the point is, is that he overcame the dark within himself to become the enlightened, Christed being that he is today. He's still around helping earth and humanity get to the next level. The reason this is important is because when we hold him as, um, let's see, Christ has always been shining full of light. He's always up on a pedestal above us in a place that we can never reach. He's the only son of, son of God, and we can never reach that point. And the problem with that is he's always above us and we're always below. I'll tell you something. This is not who Sananda, Jesus Sananda is. He has no desire to be on a pedestal. He does not see himself on a pedestal. He does not relate to all the other beings who are out on the ethereal plane helping humanity. He does not relate to them as though he's superior to them. He is He is simply part of a team. He simply is the one that put his hand up and said, 
I will stay here to help earth and humanity into the light. And all these other beings came around him and said, we will help you do that. And they're one big aligned team. And I'll tell you, there isn't one of them in there that has an ego so out of control that they need to be superior to all the rest of them. What they do is look at each other and honor the greatness of each one of them, and simply all they're interested in is how they can make a difference down here to get humanity to wake up. And they aren't interested in how great they are, who's better, who's worse. That's just, they're beyond all that. So, like you said, Charmé, earlier, Jesus is saying, I go to prepare a place that you can even do greater things than I have done. So he he doesn't want the top position and, and... I think what he would really want us to know is it's not about the messenger. He was the messenger, the example. It's about the message. That The whole thing is about the message to wake us up, to deal with our egos, to get ourselves right with the higher Christ consciousness. The higher Christ consciousness is you're right with your soul, you're right with your fellow man, you're right with your creator, you're right with nature, you're right with life. You're right with the cosmic flow of energy of how exactly the world is made. You're right with God. You know, I can only, I only know of Jesus Sananda how much he would be thrilled to have anybody on earth surpass where he is. That, that is no, just not an issue. It's not an issue. He would just glow at you that you had gotten further along the evolution spectrum Further along that continuum, he would glow at you and just say, good job. And the fact that you would be further along than him, he would only just go, good job. And we need to remember that because what's important here is we can reach where where we saw him if we set about in earnest to do that. Consider it like this. Say... uh the sun, our sun represents Jesus, and the sun is just totally busy with shining and radiating. And basically, it, it, it's really not caught up in if there's another sun out there, another star shining and radiating. It is completely occupied in fully expressing the fullness of its own soul, shining and radiating, which blesses all throughout its, its uh, sphere of influence. And ego is not a factor. It's not because we're so busy shining and radiating, which naturally just blesses everything around us. So how do we get through this? You start by noticing the places where when somebody else is outshining you and some part inside you gets irritated and uh, envious and angry and all the all the other options of negative behavior that we choose to do. And you start corralling those parts. When you see yourself getting into the negative mode, you stop yourself and you go, I'm not going to allow you to do that anymore. Isn't that great for them that they're shining more than we are right now? Good for them. And we shouldn't even be noticed who is shining more or not more than we are. We should simply be happy for other people and then keep working on ourselves. And when those parts of ourselves well up, doing, uh, you know, nasty comparisons and anger and jealousy and whatnot, we corral them in and we do not allow them expression. So our job is to get busy about shining. For instance, let's say you have two good baseball players and one's just shining and doing his best and enjoying whatever part of it he can and hitting some good balls, and the other one is concerned about the other one shining so much. 
his focus is divided, and so he's going to shine less and less and less. You and I are going to shine less and less. The deal is, is to shine, no matter what anyone else is doing. And, you know, I found, you know, I thought I was, uh, there was a problem, third grade, fourth grade, that I couldn't do English as good as one person. I couldn't do math as good as another person, this and that. But eventually, as I kept being true to myself and 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 doing the best I knew how to, I began to find my groove. I began to accept that I wasn't as good as other people in certain aptitudes, and yet I was better, better in other aptitudes. And in the other aptitudes, perhaps I wasn't as good as other people, but I was doing my best and I was shining and perhaps finding other aptitudes beyond those that were even more defining of my talent. And so I would get fulfilled by going further and further as best I know how to in my in my core development, in everything that I touched in life. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. What if you are the second coming of Christ? What if you, it's your job, to be the second coming of Christ. What are you doing today to make that happen? You know, um, the, the Jehovah's Witness, they say that it's 144,000 that are the chosen. And here's how I understand this. The body has 72,000 nerve endings. And you multiply that times two, it's 144,000. And um, so I believe the second coming of Christ is when you got all your nerves, you're in touch with yourself, you're totally balanced, so everything is working just right within yourself. So I believe the second coming of Christ is simply people walking so whole and so right with life that everything is hooked up right inside their own electrical energy system. Versus... <laughs> we're, we're the only 144,000. We've got to elbow everyone out of the way, and we've got, we got to run fast. We've got to get you know, real tight on this thing. You know, I don't remember what group it was, but my ex-husband and I uh, in L.A. a number of years ago, we were part of a group that I, they said there was a million there was only there was a million that were the chosen ones. That was the ones. number they chose. Yeah, that was a different number. I can't remember who it was, what group it was. We did it for a while, and I'll tell you, they get, they had all these teachings that were pretty good teachings. We went through the whole thing, mm-hmm. and then when they hit that, there's a million chosen people. I mean, my whole being went, uh-uh, I don't think so. I mean, how silly is that? Yeah. How utterly silly is that? There's billions of billions and billions and billions and billions, trillions of souls in the universe, but only a million of them are chosen. I mean, how how stupid is this? And, you know, I looked at her and said, you're kidding, right? (laughs) She she says, yeah, this is the point we lose most people. And I go, yeah, maybe you should, you know. I I think she was only talking about Earth. You know, know, they were, no, they were pretty amazing people in a lot of ways. But I'll tell you, you know, there are not only a million chosen people. There are as many chosen people. Listen to this, you guys. There are as many chosen people as choose to become enlightened. So many are called, but choose few choose to become enlightened. Many are called, but few choose. You know, it's sort of like uh, I remember 
I was with this uh, channel. I was with this person who was channeling. Actually, it was Master Zozer that she was channeling at the time, and he said we have some spots that we're still trying to fill for these positions on Earth. And you know, I'm like an idiot. I go me, me, me. And you know, he says, well, you'll have to do some qualifying. Well, guys, that's how it is for everybody. That's right. You know, you know the the only difference with me and anybody else who chooses themselves is they put their hand up and then they go, what do I need to do to to qualify? And then they get that laid out in front of them and then they go, okay, I'll do it. And and when it's hard, they well up harder and do it. And you can do the same thing. And how do you do that in everyday life? It's like this. You know, you go, you know what? I want to be one of the chosen ones ushering in the second coming of Christ. It's what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to devote my life to do this. This does not mean you give away your kids, you get rid of your husband, you drop the job. It does not mean that. Your kids, your husband, your job, those are the people in your life that can facilitate for you becoming the second coming of Christ. And how does that happen? You set the intent solid. I want to be part of the second coming of Christ. And you keep setting that intent. And you know what happens? Circumstances start showing up in your life to work through your ego. And to show you what it looks like to start transforming yourself. Through your kids, through your husband, through your job, through whatever. It's not in any different life. It's just you have a different focus. You've only got about ten seconds. This is not a welfare state. There are essential rules of engagement and responsibilities you've got to be responsible for. And we'll finish this after the break. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charma Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. And we will be right back. And welcome back, and thank you very much for staying with us. What if you are the second coming of Christ, and how can you look at your life differently to facilitate that? It's a matter of choosing the intent solidly in your life that you are the second coming of Christ, which means you know and I know that we all have those points in our day when we behave other than what we know Jesus would have done. (laughs) They happen pretty much on a regular basis. So what happens when you're choosing to become the second coming of Christ is you use his message, and as the day goes on and you catch yourself going, you know what, he wouldn't have done that, he would have done it this way, then you pause and choose that new way. You don't have to change anything in your life like your kids, your husband, your job, your neighbors. What you change is you how you look at it, and how you respond. Now you're using your free will and your choice to respond differently. So did you ever notice Jesus to be a whiner? Did he whine when things weren't going his way? Did he complain that he didn't have enough this or that or the other thing? Did he complain that he didn't have what he wanted? Did he go out visualizing so he could have more? Did he do any of that stuff? Or did he go and ask people to follow the guides? Did he go and ask people to follow the Lord? So you you notice in your day when you're behaving other than what he would have done, and you begin to choose 
to behave differently. And slowly but surely, over the course of a lifetime, you begin to become the second coming of Christ. So when you um, choose yourself, you select yourself, you get to be your whole particular piece, your whole unit of God, of the risen above your ego, second coming of Christ. You get you get to be your piece of that. Once again, I want to say, creation is not a welfare state. You know, we think welfare is so kind and wonderful and everything, but there are essential rules of engagement with life and responsibilities thereof that must be complied to or you wind down into dysfunctions and conflicts. So, welfare state doesn't cut it. So, what does it take for you to begin to look at your life in the direction of, I'm going to be the second coming of Christ? They call it one step at a time. So That's right. So, what, what could we get a hold of right now and begin our momentum? You know, don't try to take on too much with this sort of thing at first. You know, it, you, you take on one behavior that you go, you know, every time I treat my kids this way or my husband or myself or my job, every time I treat myself that way, I don't feel good about myself. That's where you start. And you go, okay, I'm going to pick one. I'm going to, you know, whatever is probably the worst. You know, I hate when I do this, you know, with my kids. I get short with them, whatever. You go, okay, I'm going to work with that one first, and you get a track record going. And you keep in the back of your head this thought, I am going to be the second coming of Christ. I'm going to be part of that force that helps bring all of the humanity to the next level. I'm going to be part of it. And, you know, people want to go out and do all these cause giving and all this big stuff out there, but they're not dealing with themselves. And these part, you know, like they yell at their kids too much, you know, whatever it is. So the first thing you do is you get yourself where you don't yell. And then the next level you do is you get to where you don't even have anger and you're not going off balance. You're just managing things ahead of, ahead of the problem. Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Step by step by step, and you just keep, you know, this is why we call spiritual lifestyle experts. This is not a weekend workshop. This is a lifestyle. But if you set that intent in the back of your head, I'm going to be the second coming of Christ, and I want to know, I want to see what, where I need to change in order to facilitate that, you will be amazed at the, how the guides will help you to do that, and you will be amazed at how much more you like yourself. Thank you very much for joining us. Come on. You can do it. Stretch into the greater you. Thank you very much, and we'll see you tomorrow. We love you guys.